Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pendulum Show. I'm here with my co-hosts, Yodin and Teva. And of course, we are recording this on Saturday of Election Week. Apparently, it's Election Week now, no longer Election yes. Day. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's all everyone can can think about, even though we have a budget being announced yesterday <laughs> in the Malaysian Parliament. <laughs> the Malaysian public does not seem to be aware. <laughs> All eyes, pressing are, yeah. <laughs> All eyes are on the American election and uh, we don't really like... Who cares about a budget? That's yeah, I mean... It, is this money? It doesn't affect us in any way. It affects every other aspect of our lives yeah. for the next year or so yeah, at it, least. It doesn't affect our employment prospects for the next year. No, 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 no none of that. Or the state of the Malaysian stock market. No, no, no. 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 Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the fact is we're doing this episode, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we usually uh, like to stay away from like uh, domestic politics in other countries. I think it's fair to say like we try to domestic keep a Malaysian... Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I, I think it's safe to say we like to keep a focus on Malaysian issues. But uh, we thought it would be fun to do a kind of uh, retrospective. So here we are... We, we, today's topic is uh, two sides of the issue. Why does Trump? Why does Trump deserve to win, and why does Trump deserve to lose? Mm. All right. So why is it that we're, that we're doing Trump? We're not doing Biden. Sudden? Yeah, because there's nothing Biden. to really compare it to. Yeah, yeah. Trump has been president for four years. Mm. So why why is it that we're doing Trump? Uh, why why are we doing American politics at all? Mm. And uh, I I think it's safe to say that the American president has a big effect on world affairs, no doubt. Uh. Not just in practical terms, but also in terms of ideology, right? Like, American ideas have had a big influence on the world. American culture is consumed by every part of the world. And so, uh, in that sense, like, this, this election in America, it, it represents a kind of cultural conflict as well, right? So, it is useful to talk both about policy, especially where it affects us uh, in Malaysia and in Asia, and also about the, this cultural conflict that's going on. So we are not taking one side or the other. I think uh, we, we want to present the, the pros and cons. Yes. All right. So let's get right into it. We're going to be talking about a few things. The economy. Uh, we are going to be talking about the fourth and fifth estate. Uh, Yodin will explain to us what the fifth estate means. We'll be talking about trade and globalization uh, and some other issues like immigration and of course the big one, uh, COVID, COVID policy. All right. So let's go uh, for the economy. Oh, what was excited, is Trump's man. record on the economy? How has he succeeded? So when Trump came in, ran for election, he said that they would be having 4 to 5% economic growth every single year. Uh, so has that happened, Yodin? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank all you right, for coming. Right. Let's, let's, let's see how Trump has succeeded on the economy first. Okay. Okay. All right. So, okay, um, on the economic front, a few things that he has achieved, right? Um, an, an annual growth rate of 2.5% in terms of GDP. 2.5%, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the economy, he's also introduced, um, he has slashed tax rates. Mm, income tax, corporate tax. Corporate taxes, right? Um, is that a pro? Yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a pro if like everybody's income... Uh, taxes has fallen, right? Yes. But it's not that. It's not that's not the case, is it? 
Why? How so? I, I How thought so? it was what 35 to 21% only for the top bracket only no. No, he cut he cut across the board across across, the, across board. the board. Yeah. yeah. But I mean it you can argue and say that it's not re- it probably hasn't translated into a lot of benefit for the middle class yet or at least that benefit hasn't been realized yet. Because right. they argue that when you when they're taxing uh when they're reducing the tax rates and then you're bolstering the the top yeah. but then it will trickle down into a stronger into stronger wages and more jobs and so on yeah so i mean positive yeah i mean let's make the case uh for first yeah. right yes uh economic growth 2.5% uh, on average oh. in a you have to consider like there's an economic cycle right where yes. you have uh boom and bust yes and the last bust was the 2008 financial crisis of course we're talking about before covid yeah uh, And so they had already been in basically nearly ten years of recovery already, yeah. and uh, from what I know, economists usually say that the economy works on about ten year cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you would you would have thought that they are about due for another crash, maybe not on the same level as the global financial crisis. Yeah. Mm. But he has managed to maintain economic growth. Two point five percent in a in a highly de- developed country is a decent rate yeah. of growth. Yeah, yeah. In certain years, it was three to four percent, and at the same time, unemployment in America fell, like to the lowest or near to the lowest it's ever been mm, in the historical mm. records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes to trumpet that it fell even for minorities as well, for African Americans, for Hispanics, Asians. Mm. Uh, it's at the lowest ever. Mm. So. Uh yeah, you can tie that back to his tax cuts. Yes, definitely they were yeah. a big part right. of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe then next point. Yeah. Unemployment. Yeah. Before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> prior to COVID, it yeah. was at the lowest point in since the fifties, I believe. Wow. At three point five percent. Yeah. Um, it rose. I think from April um to about fourteen per percent. Okay. But right now. It is has dropped to seven point nine. Yeah, still high, but the fact is he has re- managed to recover in a span of six months from fourteen to about seven point nine. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's insane. It's no. insane. It is. It is quite insane the recovery that's been happening, mm. especially in America. Not so much in other parts of the world, mm. but I think they have added like more than ten or eleven million jobs since the since the COVID crash. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christ. But yeah. I, I mean, um. On that front, right? Okay. Um, what about the argument on towards the the second term of Obama's administration? Right, I think on average per month he was adding, or was it, uh, yeah, per year or per month? I can't remember. But he was adding about two hundred thousand jobs, mm, if, per, month, per month, right? Yeah, it should be per month. Um, and most of the health, the health of the economy that Trump managed to he, that he did inherit was yeah. more of the realization of Obama's late. Policies in his last term, yeah. right? That helped bolster that. I mean, not as if that he didn't do anything. Of course, yeah. Trump did, especially with the tax cuts. Yeah. Um, but other than that, what about most of the most of Americans? Yeah. Um, not being able, they are more employed in the gig economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so, uh, to bolster that point of unemployment. There's also the point where actually in during Trump's administration during this time, um, lowest amount of Americans under the poverty line, living in lowest. Yeah. 
I think about 10% in, yeah, basically in America's history, 10% under the poverty line. But then how do you, does it actually equate to better standard of living? Mm-hmm. It should. I mean, by right, it should. Yeah. So I think incomes have risen like across the board for all income groups, not just the, the rich. Mm. And even it has increased by a greater margin for the lower income groups than for the higher income groups mm. under mm. under Trump. Mm. The uh, Some other statistics like 3.9 million people lifted off uh, food stamps. Mm. Uh, and, and this is all, of course, in the first like three years or so of his mm. presidency. La. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, but actually, regardless, right, of whether he wrote on Obama's late-term yeah. policies, but it's not as if he, you could expect Trump, someone of his personality, to try and override everything that was done. He could have viewed it as maybe that it might have not worked. But, yeah. you know, he kept to it. He still, he actually bolstered, bolstered it, right? And yeah. that's what a president should keep on doing. He yeah. analyzes what policies does work mm-hmm. and he can whatever he can do to add upon it yeah. he did improve the economic situation and it was always the the term was trump's humming economy yeah right yeah. and this is somewhat of a known fact la, that yeah. trump the economy overall especially maybe you can explain more in terms of this the performance on Dow Jones. But oh yeah, yeah. Maybe you want to go into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the stock market. So it was so the stock market had a big crash at the beginning of Obama's turn, term, uh, and uh, so so the rest of the growth there is is in terms of is recovering from a low. So I think that Obama averaged like thirty five. It it rose about thirty five percent, and Trump as well about thirty five percent in the first. Uh, I think if. Actually, even now, so so here's the thing: the the stock market in the states was at a record high at the beginning of the year, all time high, uh, up about thirty five percent from when he took office, and uh, of course it crashed with COVID. But now uh, it recovered so quickly, it is now again at an all time high, or it is close to being at an all time high, despite the the whole pandemic situation not being resolved. So. The question is, I think, uh, yes, it's a pro. It's a, it's a pro for him. He ran on he he did try to run on his economic record, and uh, a lot of voters rated him better on the economy yeah. than the other side. But it is a very good point that he did he did just like continue the Obama recovery. Like the economy was already recovering under Obama, already growing under Obama, mm. and it's it's not as if the trend changed in a big way. Yeah, it shouldn't detract as a Trump. From Trump's yeah. achievements, right? Yeah. I I completely agree with Yodin's point, lah. You know, it's number one. The next president is supposed to bolster what the previous president has been already doing. Mm. And um yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh but he what about the deficit? Ah, uh, alright. Pump money into the economy, how? Yeah, so the so the deficit grew a lot, right? Uh-huh. Mm. He tech he cut the tax rates, mm. but the deficit also right. increased. He didn't reduce spending on that front either. Yeah. yeah, so he cut taxes. There's lower revenue, but the spending is the same, right? He didn't reform yeah. any of the social programs. Increased by $8 trillion? $8 trillion. $8 trillion, the yeah. national debt. Yeah. Which was already at 27 Yeah, so that is quite alarming, right? That like, is <laughs> you, you're supposed to build up some kind of reserve capacity yeah. to borrow so that you can deal with the crisis. And guess what? We had a crisis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like, Which is, I mean, yeah. against against his own, like, um, um, manifesto, right? He said that, oh, I'm going to cut the national debt. Yeah. Uh, he increased it. La. He blew it up. Yeah. He really blew it up. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, there was no there was no right balancing act here i think yeah i think we tried uh, to bring in more jobs tried mm. to stimulate the economy yeah i mean at the same time unprecedented times right yeah well yes it is unprecedented um he didn't do he didn't do anything on the deficit i think something that the fact is that the other side also nobody wants to reduce spending in the united states yeah They spend a lot on social programs. Like bulk of their spending is on social programs. Like even if you cut the military spending as well, yeah. like uh, the majority of spending is still on welfare. And uh, nobody wants to Republican or Democrat. Nobody wants to to reform the systems because they are highly popular programs, right? Mm-hmm. Welfare everywhere. Nobody wants to cut it. The yeah. people are never going to vote for it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that's partly on Trump because he did not persuade anyone to reform the system. Partly on on the the public as well because there's no. There's no will from the public also yeah. to reform those systems. It's just, I mean the same thing here, right? Like if the government tomorrow said like, okay, we're going to get rid of all this brim and uh brim. What's it called now? We went from brim to BSH to BPN. Now it's BPR. Oh, BPR. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it would be highly unpopular, right? If if yeah. the government suddenly yeah, one day said, you know, we're going to get rid of all this. We're going to increase. Like you're no longer going to have to pay like one buck for for a hospital visit. You're mm-hmm. going to have to pay what it actually costs. Like. This would be highly unpopular things to do in any country, in the world. Yeah, but it is uh, it, deficits everywhere. National debt everywhere is a big concern because yeah. you're borrowing against the future. Mm. You're borrowing actually from future generations. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How has the actually yeah? How has the trade war yeah impacted this? How has the trade war impacted this? Yes, maybe not not specifically the budget, but the economy. The 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 trade war definitely took away from growth. I I don't know. I haven't read too much on on what like you cannot how this effect has been quantified. Mm, uh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it affects particular sectors much more than others. Mm. Yeah. But we are going to get into trade a bit more later, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll put pin in that. Uh, another thing that he he did was he had a like a tax holiday. So these American multinationals, mm. they they record all their profit overseas because of tax rates in america being higher yeah so the corporate tax in america the tax rate in america for corporations is is higher than most of the rest of the world mm. so that's why a lot of companies don't bring their profits back home because it'd be taxed at that rate yeah. so you had a, a sort of tax holiday for them to bring these funds back mm. uh companies return uh 1 trillion dollars worth of overseas profits Mm. to the united states mm. uh since the the tax system was overhauled mm. yeah so that that's an achievement as well yeah so not achieved by obama <laughs> yeah that's true it wasn't this problem yeah. is not a new problem yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but the argument on the other hand that you can make is that these corporations they brought it back did they really spend it on investment or increasing the workers wages Instead, the stock buybacks <coughs> at an all-time high. So they're basically like just giving money back to the shareholders. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. It, yes. I mean, you. That's the argument for a lot of other industries, like big pharma itself, right? They, yeah. They because there's no real proper regulation on the prices that big pharma companies charge. Yeah. So and then because they, obviously they just argue that money, their price justifies the R and D money that they need. Yeah. But very little evidence shows that most of this money goes mm. back into R and D. Yeah, it goes back to the shareholders. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a tenuous argument. Like if if these uh rich people and corporations bring their money back, is it really going to go back into the economy in terms of the in the ways which will directly uh impact workers? Yeah. Yeah. Or is it going to somehow get back into the pockets of those who are already at the top, right? Yeah. And 
not much has been done on that. Plus, uh, the these corporations still pay very low tax mm. all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. The, these big tech companies, they they pay like close to zero in many cases. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that has changed. Yeah. yeah. Alright, so in summary on the economy... I think, yeah, it's a Trump pro. Yeah, I think it's right? a Trump. B plus. I, I um, don't know. Okay, if you had to grade it. <laughs> okay, you say B plus. I think maybe B plus is fair. Credit. <laughs> C. C, uh, yeah? They're using different... different. Uh, oh, yeah, well, oh, right. Oh, sorry, sorry. Wait, I'm using Australian a... system. There. <laughs> we go for credit, distinction, high distinction. Uh. Oh, shouldn't we be on an American system? What's the American system? What's the American system? Huh? Is there an American... I mean, obviously it is. They have A's and B's. And they have A's and B's. Yeah. Okay, what if it's an SAT... It's based on the number. Oh right? god, what is the number? Uh, 1600, 2400. Alright. I will take your word for it, you did. <laughs> Alright, so yeah. Uh, he didn't do, he did a he did did, did a decent job. It's uh, debatable how much of that is attributable to Obama, how much is yeah. attributable to him. Mm. Uh you can say he didn't do too much to fight inequality, but you know mm. nobody has. <laughs> mm. Alright. Uh shall we move on to our next area? Yes. Okay. So our next area is the fourth and fifth estate. Uh, mm. So Yodin, why don't you define the fourth and so fifth estate for us? all these big, big words. You know what? I'll define fourth understand. estate la, so that you know, uh, you can have fifth estate. So fourth estate is mainstream what? media, right? Why? why you? <laughs> okay, go on. Fourth estate is mainstream media, right? Yes. Journalism. Yes. Yeah. So what is the fifth estate? So fifth estate uh, is, it generally means socio-cultural views and opinions that's largely been expressed in non- non-mainstream media yeah. such as journalists, bloggers and social media in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why don't you go through the rest of the points then? Oh, Alright. So, uh, why, do, why do we have this here? Yes. Trump basically ran against the media, right? Yeah. So, this is where like American, <coughs> where politics is not just about policy but it's just also a Messaging. Trump did not invent the term fake news. Again, I want to reiterate this. <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like I need to. Yeah. He just turned it on. He said he used it. Yeah. yeah. So Go on. The, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, fake news, at the uh, when he first came into public prominence, right, was during his election campaign when they were talking about all these like Russian bots spreading uh, fake news articles and yeah. things like that on social media. And Trump, he turned it around to describe the whole media the whole industry as fake news, right? Yeah. And that became the narrative uh, ab- about fake news, right? Sure. But uh, why is this Why is this uh, important? Well, uh, in, in America, right, some statistics in from 2013, uh, 28% of journalists uh, call themselves Democrats, mm. only 7% Republicans. Mm. And most, most people think in the media in the States, there is a a heavy liberal bias. Yeah. If you even think in terms of like the number of positive and negative stories about uh, Trump and his administration, yeah. it heavily tilts to the negative, right? Yeah. And uh, there is a there is a feeling that the, what about Fox? Hmm? Yeah, but Fox is one network, right? Yes. You have all the other networks like you got NBC, it's a Murdoch CBS, network. Yeah. So many of them. Are but yeah, it's them. a Murdoch network. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It is, but it's one network against the many, right? Yeah, yeah. The, there are about twenty, I think. Mm. Right? Jeez. 
Yeah, and yeah, even uh, CNN, CNN used to be fairly neutral. Yeah. Uh, but uh, now CNN is uh, full on. Uh, full on, man. Yeah, so the conservatives call it Trump derangement syndrome. Mm. And this is the. And uh, whether or not you agree with the stories, right? Yeah. You, I think you can generally agree that there is an obsession with Trump in mm. the media, not just in the States, but all over the world. Yeah. Like, you know, I read Malaysia Kini, right? And every and at least every week, the headline of Malaysia Kini is about something that, that Trump did. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Insane, <laughs> it's insane. It's really, insane. <laughs> it really has been insane, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, I think that this plays not just into the media bias, which it is there, definitely. Like, Trump, Trump does make a lot of false statements. Yes. Yeah. He's so, not helping his own cause, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, the this media bias is also part of this whole political correctness uh, problem. Yeah. yeah. So, a lot of people felt that they were being looked down upon by academics and the so-called elites mm. who have sort of invented this new language which everybody has to subscribe to when yeah. they're describing certain issues or, you know, and if you don't, you're labelled as uh, racist, bigoted, xenophobic, homophobic, like, the labelling. So, like, you will hear this constantly in the media, right? Yeah. Uh, they, they will just roll out these terms to condemn someone, you know, he's a racist, bigot, homophobic, xenophobic, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah, as opposed to, like, allow, allowing, like, a kind of free discourse to, to actually discuss the issues, do you think that that's a plus in Trump's favour that he campaigned against that and he basically continued his campaign for all four years against the media and against political correctness. Hmm. I I would say it's a plus point for sure. The Historically, I think the media and its uh, impact on elections has been quite there's a strong correlation right the media is highly influential itself and even the people who own these media companies itself they have a large play and a large stake in it in the elections itself right like murdoch um rupert murdoch who owns fox news um i think he's basically been one of the biggest beneficiaries of the trump presidency you know like i i was reading uh, um, not too long ago but essentially I think their viewership skyrocketed yeah. but it was more it was purely based on Trump's personality and Trump's stance yeah. of fake news yeah. and also due to is the, the thing is like all of this um, his stance against political correctness is what actually influenced people to in the White House right yeah. put, put, exactly exactly um, I think it it needed someone like Trump needed to come in and actually, in fact, although media institutions are supposed to provide a check and balance, I think conversely, he provided a check and balance to the media institutions because when you have people like Trump who are constantly spewing out fake facts, okay, yeah. they're, they're, they're obviously there are facts which Trump's, Trump has said in the media which has been completely false. Yeah. So now, they, even right now, as we go through the elections, there's this trend of um, whatever Trump says, there's this um, SOP or there's this um, requirement to fact-check. They're trying to do it in real time, but it's not really possible yet. Yeah. But after a specific statement, they fact-check this, right? Yeah. So without someone like Trump, that wouldn't have happened, I think. Or at least that effort to actually try and fact-check yeah. wouldn't have happened. But um, 
I feel in terms of political correctness, I think it, it was something that needed to be addressed because if it wasn't such a debated issue, it wouldn't have been more talked about and ideas wouldn't have been shared, yeah. you know? At least, and actually, I think because of so much contention at the early part of his election in 2016, a lot of people have become a lot more... Um, there's the acceptingness, the willingness to learn has also grown. So from um, just taking it down from an over from a dominant um, ideology for what you need to subscribe yeah. to, it's 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 broken down lah, you know. Yeah. Because clearly, when he took that stance, look who won, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not as if that re- America is racist and xenophobic and all of these things. He's he's he was trying to just break. I think what he achieved was breaking it down to a more acceptable level and basically more conversations and more voices being able to be heard. Yeah, I I think that especially he, he like you said he has uh, he has he has destroyed the the dominance of the ma- of the mainstream media. So when you say mainstream media like this, uh, news newspapers like New York Times and all that. So like here the equivalent would be like the Star, New Straits Times, Utusan. Uh, or the cable networks like there they have CNN and NBC and so on these used to control the narrative and this was how people got their information yeah, yeah. but he was the right guy for the digital age because he uh, now he doesn't need to speak to his supporters through the media anymore he yeah. speaks to them directly yeah. through Twitter. social media that may be a good 80 thing 80 million followers yeah that's insane <laughs> for a politician yeah people who hate him still follow him <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah how many people have 80 million followers yeah or close to that number yeah and and you may argue about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing as far as he himself is concerned because he's highly uh, facts are facts are secondary to him like i think it's safe to say yes 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 yeah. the truth is uh... <laughs> <laughs> the truth is a fungible thing like, yes, exactly but the fact is, I think it's a good thing when uh, when the medium is no longer controlled by a small group of people. Mm. Yeah, it is. It improves the. You can directly hear. You can you can hear from the source itself, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. more politicians everywhere are sort of adopting this model, mm. not relying on the media so much mm. because the media. The, every human being has their own bias, has their own motives, right? And, yeah. and so it's a good thing to get. The, control out of the out of uh, the hands of a few and put it in the hands of 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 many people uh. anybody can have a voice on social media yeah yeah yeah, yeah it is uh, chaotic uh, there's a lot of you know uh, fake news and and so on fake news vitriol and antagonism in in that space but it's better than having it all controlled by one side mm. yeah i agree what I do agree. you think deva i feel like okay so with with Trump, it's a bit different, lah. Cause okay, let's like um on um just building on Yodin's point, you know how um because the, he has access to social media, he's able to get whatever he wants to say across to a vast majority without going through uh, media outlets, right? Um, at the same time, because he makes these outlandish statements, which are, I mean, I think everybody knows they are wrong, yeah. but yet because of his position as the president of the United States of America, yeah. he has people in his vicinity, or I mean, people below him, that would try to find ways, pool resources to make these things plausible at least. Mm. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't know whether I'm getting this point across. 
across like who try to explain what he's saying who yeah who try to make it seem as yeah. if um whatever he's saying they it may be half truths instead of completely false right right, right? And, and that in itself poses a problem no like um I oh, from his camp like you're from his yeah because um because as i said because based on his position mm-hmm. they need to find a way to make it seem as if he is his so his his pr team like ah, his yeah. pr yes. team it needs to be somewhat credible la no yeah they try to they try to massage his his statements mm-hmm. to yes yes appearing more factual which which dilutes the entire thing in itself no yeah but at the end of the day the person that people hear from is him mm-hmm. uh, much more than like the people even his PR team yeah yeah mm. he runs his own PR la. I mean he doesn't <laughs> yes, have yes. a PR strategy there's no so, like, I mean, PR strategy that is that's the Trump personality, that's la, Trump right? personality. so uh, as yeah. we just mentioned that the, the truth can be really quite murky with mm. Trump yeah. facts yeah. Um, even what he knows about coronavirus might be even highly debatable yeah. <laughs> and he has a very poor way of phrasing things yes uh, you know the the disinfectant Can we get it under the skin? Can we bring the sunlight into the cells? <laughs> no, but <laughs> yeah, maybe but, what but, led yeah. him to that ele- to the election win, right? Is because, yeah. like Bamba was saying, if you had all these media outlets and publications which were in the hands of the few, and they were dominated by a particular, or they they weren't not it's not to say they were inherently um, liberal, right? But they knew that um, they were espousing a liberal ideology, lah. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Trump basically just tried to flip it on his head and he got he wanted to express the concerns and maybe the opinions although maybe arguably phrased poorly he wanted the other voices to be heard as well yeah. he didn't want uh, his voter base to not be heard and completely be dominated by the mainstream media outlets which is what he has achieved yeah okay yeah and uh, you know um I think that that works for him so well, right? He's, he, I mean, he has a background in business, business, yeah. right? And uh, I think most of them are quite disruptive in nature, so his disruptiveness, like, just made made it so so much easier for him to blend into the personality of this person who's going against everything that is mainstream. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you, sort of needed, needed, a, uh, you sort of needed a a celeb a TV personality. Yes, to do yes, that. exactly. But okay, there is a flip side to that, which is is he really the right person to carry this banner? Because there's a difference between uh, yes. fighting against political correctness mm. and mm. just being outright rude yeah. and rude, brash, uncivil, at times disgusting. Yeah, yeah. You know, like uh. I mean, so uh, we don't need to go over the the num the the statements, lah. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. he said a judge which voted against him, uh, he, that it came from Mexico. Yes, <laughs> yes. He said in the Charlottesville uh attack, the the Charlottesville protest where a white supremacist uh wrote someone down. Yeah. He said there were fine people on both sides. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the you yeah there has to be there has to be a line drawn somewhere, lah. There's course, no such thing as yeah, just yeah. being politically incorrect for the sake of trolling everybody. Yeah, right. it should be you. You fight against political correctness so that you can get a uh, you. You can get facts out there. You can get uh well thought out opinions out there. Yeah, it's not just for the purpose of insulting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he's just he's trying yeah. to portray the strong man image, lah. You know, like he doesn't care about what other people think. He's yeah. gonna express himself to as truth as he believes or perceives it to be, yeah. and he's just 
that's that's the thing, right? He was uh, portraying his image that he was not from the establishment. He's not afraid to say or speak his mind. Yeah. And America needed someone like that. Yeah. yeah. But like you're right, I do not agree with him being the best person to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but who else? I mean, because we're talking about Trump, there's no yeah. one else to compare uh, it to. Uh, uh, I think there are people, like if you look uh, across the world, I think Boris Johnson, mm. like in, mm. he, um, he, he's sort of, like a lot of people dislike him as well. Uh, but he's definitely a much more articulate and I would say like, especially yeah. now, much more measured uh, kind of, uh, politician also fighting against his political correctness in uh, mainstream right mm. uh, there's a way to do it la. I, I don't yeah, think yeah, that there's yeah, nobody yeah, to, yeah. who can do it mm. yeah uh, but having said that big tech the way big tech has responded to this phenomenon right mm. it, it, in some ways it's good in some ways it's terrible so like Facebook has been more pro free speech mm-hmm. right uh, but if you look at recently during the election so there was a story which came out in the fourth largest newspaper in the States, the New York Post, they found a laptop or they were given a laptop with uh, emails from Biden's son, Hunter, talking about how he was using his dad's name uh, to to get on the boards of these companies overseas, uh, you know, and just like using it, the influence peddling is the word for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Biden campaign like never denied that the emails are real or whatnot, but as soon as this article went up, Twitter and Facebook took down, automatically took down the article, uh, blocked, uh, blocked the account of the, the newspaper which published it, and went to the extent of if you tweeted the article out, you, the tweet would be automatically removed or blocked or censored as well. And, you know, eventually they reversed it. But, yeah, that, that's just... An example of why people uh, like Trump because he he fights against this uh, politically correct uh, mainstream because they have set themselves up as the arbiters of truth. Yeah, they don't want like the article or the information may be true or may be false, right? But it's it's debatable, them, yeah. but it's yeah. not up to you. It's yeah. it should be up to people to judge for themselves. And when you take it down, you are basically saying you don't trust people to make their own judgments about yeah. this information. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, next topic. Next topic. Trade Trump, Trump won the last in 2016, right? Because yeah. there was this, there's this area of the states called the Rust Belt. Okay. It used to be where the heavy industry was, the car manufacturing, automotive manufacturing, and uh, loads of other industries used to be there. But then from the 80s and into the 90s, as like the Cold War came to an end, and uh, um, the global economy opened up. And you had more free trade. You had WTO. You had China become part of the global economic system. All these big corporations uh, outsourced their jobs and manufacturing to cheaper labor countries. Yeah. Countries with cheaper labor like Mexico, China, India, Vietnam. Uh, all this. And uh, these workers basically lost the jobs that they had had all their lives. And they didn't have anything to replace it with. Yeah, so in... So in three, in four of these like industrial cities like Cleveland, Detroit, Buffalo, Pittsburgh lost forty five percent of their population during this time, within about uh thirty five years, you know, and uh, this speaks to like the effects of globalization which have been ignored. Do you agree that globalization had its winners and losers, and the losers have been kind of ignored everywhere? It's not. I I I will compare it right to uh Indian estate workers here, right? Uh, the 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 generations working in the rubber estates 
uh, rubber plantations, right? And then suddenly that industry does not exist anymore. And uh, a lot of these Indians left there. Uh, a lot of them forced to move to the cities yeah. where they don't have the requisite skills and they live in abject poverty, lack of education, all of these problems. Like, uh, the difference is just that there's nobody who speaks to their concerns here. Lah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there, Trump sort of represented yeah. those uh yeah those i mean that was that's that more of a factor yeah. which led to his re-elect to his election win yeah yeah right but right now how has it played out yeah maybe that could be a testament to whether he deserves to mm. be re-elected right right yeah so it doesn't seem that he has actually managed to bring back a lot of the jobs mm-hmm. he has increased manufacturing jobs uh overall but not by like a huge margin. Yeah. He he ran on their grievance, yes. but he didn't really present a solution to their problem. Yeah. yeah. But uh at least the at least they felt that somebody cared about them again because you uh you had people like Obama saying that these jobs have gone away and they're never coming back. Uh you can't wave a magic wand and so basically just saying that there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whether or not Trump did uh, something that was very effective yeah at least uh, people are paying attention to it more now so that's deindustrialization. Yeah. the other side of it is his trade wars, trade wars. yeah oh. this one you need to first define first Bamba. I don't know what it means the the benefits I think it's very similar right like it hasn't yeah. really translated into large be- large amount of benefit or, or at least not yet yeah, it's so very hard to foresee whether it's going to translate at the moment. Not really, right? No, like so the trade war is where Trump, uh, he he, America has a very free trade policy yes. and low tariffs with the rest of the world, and they basically push free trade on the rest of the world, yeah. like through the WTO and through the whole economic system that came about after the uh, World War Two, right, and through the Cold War, and absorb. Eastern European countries mm. and Asian countries, African countries, all into the system. And Trump is a reaction to that because just yeah. like we said, these jobs have been going overseas, right? Yeah. So Trump comes in and says, "I'm going to protect our domestic uh, industry." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the thing about it is that uh, when you when you protect your domestic industry, you're reducing like the the access to goods for for from overseas to a yes. lot of people, so that can reduce the quality of life. Yeah. Uh, you also. Also, like, if I place a tariff on your country, you're going to place a tariff on mine. Yes. So, something that's valuable to you, and I, st- I place a tariff on it, they'll place a tariff on something that is valuable, something valuable that I produce. In the US context, it was steel, I believe. Yeah, so they place tariffs on steel from overseas. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I think also autom- automobiles, uh, aut- a few other industries. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I think, but the biggest had, yeah, the biggest impact, I think, was from steel, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but... Like on the other side, uh, China plays tariffs on uh, agricultural products. Goods, yeah. America produces a lot of uh, agricultural products, especially soybean. Mm. And yeah, so the if you take it as a net, probably didn't uh, benefit, mm. didn't benefit them that much. Yeah. And at the same time, because the economy is growing, so when your economy grows, your imports tend to increase anyway because people have more money to spend on imported yeah. goods. Yeah. So, so zero effect. It's economically that are very minimal, la. Yeah. Okay. But what? Yeah. If but, there is any benefit, it might be very minimal. Okay. 
Yeah, the problem also is how he framed it. Like he framed yeah. it as America is going to win, we're going to be richer, we're going to be yeah, uh, taking yeah. so much money from China and Mexico and all these places. Yes. Uh, but as far as China goes, China is, China has a lot of bad trade practices. Mm-hmm. Like this, the when American when uh, foreign companies set up in China, uh, there's a lot of control, surveillance, and intervention from the Chinese government, mm. and the Chinese the Chinese government tries to steal intellectual property from abroad as well, like whether through hacking or through forcing companies who operate in China to hand over information. Mm. Uh, yeah, and uh, basically puts them puts foreign companies at a disadvantage and tries to improve China's trade position. Mm. And so nobody really dealt with that uh, effectively in the past. Mm. Uh, Trump with his like sanctions and his restrictions... He has sort of reversed that trend, but I mean, I, I, we would have to, I, I, I myself also don't know what the quantifiable effect of that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe overall, what has Trump done to sort of curb China's rise? Yeah. As a, as like the next, as the best or highest superpower. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If he had, so this is, we can go into the foreign policy now, right? Mm. Because. The China policy from Trump, like mm. you said, it's been to curb China's rise. Mm. China, a lot of people felt that China, it was inevitable that China would, be, would replace the United States yeah. as a global superpower. superpower. And people were kind of sanguine about this. Mm. But uh, Trump has managed to change the narrative on China. Did you say sanguine? Sanguine, as in quite what? relaxed about it. This fellow, I tell you, uh, yeah. with the sanguine... I want to go against Bamba with all these big words. La. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, but he changed the narrative on China. So now, like, in, this, in the US also, there's a kind of consensus that they need to combat China because, like, we, we just mentioned China's bad trade practices. But uh, China's for, China has this policy. So, uh, I was listening to this BuzzFeed reporter who has been banned from China uh, because she reported on the Uyghurs. And she was saying that the foreign ministry spokespeople in China, in Beijing, very often says uh, big countries, uh, big, big countries are big countries, small countries are, uh, big countries are powerful, small countries are weak, and that's just a fact. And that has been China's policy towards its neighbours, especially under Xi Jinping, under the, the current president. So if you look at... Uh, the, how China has been taking over the South China Sea. Like, we did a whole episode on that, right? They've been building bases uh, less than 100 kilometers off the shore of Malaysia, yep. uh, uh, trying to take control of those resources, you know, uh, harassing uh, fishermen and other people who operate in these areas, uh, trying to stop us from uh, exploiting our own natural resources in these areas. Basically, riding roughshod over uh, the objections of these smaller countries, right? So, do you think that it was... a do you think that it's a pro in Trump's favor that he at least shifted the stance of the United States, which is still a global superpower, shifted the stance of the United States against China? I think it's a pro. I, from, if I was an American, as an American, um, but also as a Malaysian, actually, I would say that's a pro. It affects us. Directly. Directly. Yeah. Especially what you just said, you alluded to the South China Sea. Yeah. So yeah, pro. But at the, yeah, that at the same time, um, Obama also pivoted to Asia, pivoted to the Pacific, right? It yeah. Was a, so it's the same thing. What has that played out too? 
Yeah, he didn't take any like very concrete steps. Yeah. Uh, so Obama already started to shift to. He just did a this just did a bunch of tours around here, <laughs> made some speeches. Hey, hey. He came to Taylor's University, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't very uh not very not many concrete steps, right? No. Yeah, and we had the T TPPA lah. TPPA. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is a that I think that's a con against Trump. That's something that Trump he pulled out of it. So yes. can you tell us about the TPPA? Maybe you can. You are you more aware of it? Uh, I don't know. And all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you. I I I have yeah. forgotten bits and pieces of the TPPA. Yeah. So the TPPA is a trade agreement that Obama was negotiating. Not Obama lah, but the U.S. administration was negotiating with countries around the Pacific, yeah. including Malaysia, I believe Thailand, Singapore, uh, Japan, Australia, and uh, some South American countries as well. Basically, uh, the basically over the past several years, uh, past few decades, our trade, uh, partner has been shift. Partners have been shifting more and more of our trade is dependent on China. Even yeah. Malaysia, I think now China is our top trade partner. Yeah. And so the U.S. tried to combat China's influence by creating a free trade agreement, which grants access to American markets, uh, for both sides. So American products have more access to our markets. Our products have more access to American markets. And so what this would do is tie in the economies of the region in a block that does not include China. And so this would reduce China's influence in the region over the long term, right? Yeah, that's essentially. Yeah, yeah. but what? Did, but Trump. Campaign on getting rid of the agreement. Yes. Yeah. What was his? What, why? He is saying that you will have these cheap goods from Asia flooding into the United States and destroying jobs for manufacturing oh. in the United States. Yeah. So he pulled out of it totally. The agreement, like the remaining parties, are doing their best to revive it on their own, mm-hmm. without the United States. But uh, even now, so we had signed the agreement, but it's not been ratified here yet yeah. in Malaysia. So why is that a con? I think it's a con because if he's talking about combating China, right? Economics is e- economic dependence is a big part of it. Yes. Like if we are economically less dependent on China, then we are less prone to China interfering in our affairs. Yeah. It's just like the last twenty eighteen election, right? One of the issues was that China had been just pouring funds to bankroll Najib's administration, right? Uh, with these uh, major infrastructure projects, be bailing out one MDB. This is all China is spending this money to win influence in the region, and so that was a step away from that. The TPPA is a step away from that. It's a step to uh, towards more economic independence from China. You can argue about uh, U.S. having more influence economically with us, but the U.S. is a f- power that is further away and generally has interfered less uh, than China has in the yeah, at least in recent best. history. Yeah, so that's a con. But on the other hand, Clint- Hillary Clinton she also ran against the TPPA, so it's not as if uh, that agreement would have been signed whether yeah, she yeah. came in or he came in. But you know, considering Trump on his own, I uh, I think it was probably a bad move, in terms of his strategy to get rid of uh, TPPA. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, anyway, the topic is China's rise. Yeah, as a superpower, overall, probably has not not slowed down. Yeah, slowed definitely. Down. Yeah. So how he so how he else he has combated China is not just in terms of trade. Yeah. Uh, in terms of sanctions, and the big one recently is the sanctions on the. 
electronics and semiconductor industry. Yeah. So TikTok. TikTok is <laughs> TikTok is meaningless, honestly. Big deal. <laughs> can't get to TikTok. I mean, I also use TikTok lah, but uh, I mean, uh, I social influence. Why not? Yeah, but that I think that's less important than the restriction. It was is. more. It was more of the image of what he was trying to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The goal was to make sure that China had no interference into yeah. uh, tapping into American data. Yeah. Yeah. Or any having any influence into privacy in America. Yeah. So he. He made that image and message loud and clear. Yeah. And it 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 works like it actually well obviously American companies they actually have a stake and they reap the benefits of this. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair, but uh you know there's so many other ways other than social media that China could be collecting information yeah, 100%. on Americans. But okay, no. Speak yeah. about the the electronics, right? So yeah. He has basically uh, placed sanctions on American. Uh, he has uh, barred uh, American companies from from uh, transferring technology to uh, the to China, yeah. which can be used in semiconductors. So, what do we mean by that? That means like the production of uh, microprocessors, lah, CPUs, computer chips of any kind. And what this has done is restrict China's uh, China from from manufacturing the top of the line semiconductors, because. A lot of this technology is very dependent on like one or two companies only, yeah. which based in the West or uh dependent on the United States technology, which comes from the United States. Uh, one big example is ASML. So ASML is a Dutch company, but a lot of their technology depends on U.S. patents and so on. They produce the only they are the only manufacturers of uh, of a machine which is used in uh the in the most cutting edge semiconductor production like the chips which go in the new iPhones and so on dependent on machinery that comes from this one company ASML yeah. and he managed to stop them from exporting their equipment to China and he's also placed sanction he stopped TSMC TSMC is the world's largest semiconductor manufacturer uh he has banned them from working with Huawei uh So Huawei now has no access to this uh top line top of the line chips. They basically can make phones based on their existing supply. Once the supply of chips runs out, they are unable to anymore. Yeah. And uh, this is, this is uh, this is like a a killer move lah, because uh, economic uh, development right in the past few decades heavily dependent on. The on this amazing technology, right? Uh, semiconductors and microprocessors, and uh, the fact that China it will take them decades, literally decades, to build this capacity up on their own, means that means that their growth may be heavily restricted in future because they don't have uh, access to these technologies. So I I would think that's a good move by Trump, like it's a very it's it's got a huge strategic impact in the agenda to yeah. curb. China's rise, yeah. right? In so, that, yeah. So, like, if you just think about, uh, hypothetically, right? If there was some kind of conflict between the U.S. and China, mm. the U.S. cuts off the supply of these chips altogether to China. Yeah. They have nothing to replace it with. They have nothing to. They have, don't have the chips to put in their laptops, computers, supercomputers, data centers. You know, all the way down to like your Internet of Things devices, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, can you imagine the impact of that? Rolling back on five G infrastructure, yeah. so five mm. G infrastructure yeah. dependent on these chips as well. Because uh, yeah. US did uh, because of the sanctions they place, yeah. uh, all other countries so followed suit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, big man. On mm. kicking mm. Huawei out from five G networks. Yeah, mm. the UK has followed suit. Yeah. Germany, mm. yeah. yeah, exactly. So India, India, yeah. India. 
Maybe, okay, the next crucial point, and I think it's largely been applauded on whether you're left or right, is the fact that um, Trump didn't go into any new wars. Mm. Right? Yes. You, but, uh, side note that he managed to actually establish some relationship with North Korea, or uh, whatever relationship that may be. Is a, a little bit, there is uh, a strange bromance. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, but yeah. ever since he did that, yeah. there has been very minimal... Or if not nothing from North Korea in the sense that there's no new nuclear web uh, missile testing uh, weapons, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what the development is. Uh, there's there, you, there yeah. is quite quiet from North Korea since then. I don't yeah. know whether you can attribute it directly to Trump, but I would point it down to that. They have adopted a more non-confrontational approach. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, but then going down, wars. going down to the war though. Yeah. No new wars. Yeah. He has. In fact, uh, pulled out a lot of troops from Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Syria. Yeah. But conversely, when you do that, you're obviously creating um, vacuums of power in these specific countries, lah. Especially yeah. in Syria. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. In Syria, Afghanistan, definitely. Mm. So and I mean, from like a domestic Russia. point of view, it it looks good. You're pulling out your yeah. troops um, from these specific areas. Some people argue that. It it they need our troops to actually win, um, win the war or whatever civil um uprising that they're facing, and but also, a lot of American companies benefit from going into war and making sure that you know there's constantly trade deals and weapons deals between these countries in America, um, but no new wars. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think this all depends on your perspective, right? Like mm. whether you think America needs to be yeah. more or less involved. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh. On the on the flip side, on the no one no new wars. Yeah, no new wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if no you com- new wars. Yeah, because whatever yeah. the current wars. Yeah. So large. Uh, I mean, a lot of people would argue that they needed the troops needed to be in the specific countries yeah. that they're already in to deal with terrorism, to deal with yes, all this. exactly. Yeah. Right. But, um, uh, what about the no new wars? Is that something that you can actually want to award down to Trump? I, again, it's all perspective. Like, uh, like if you. You can only evaluate the effect of this, right? Ten or twenty years down the road. So, like, Amer- for one, for example, pulling out troops from Afghanistan, America has been engaged in war in Afghanistan for nearly nineteen nineteen years. Nineteen years. Yeah, nineteen years in Afghanistan, but very few people think that the Af- so you have the Taliban in Afghanistan, the brutal regime, right? Yeah. Uh, beheadings and stonings in public in but what stadiums has it played and things out like too, that. Right? But, but if he pulls out, uh. Very few people think that the Afghani government there mm. can stand up against Taliban. Mm. So if he pulls out and then the next year the Taliban takes over, is that a win? Mm. I I don't know. I don't think that's a win. You can say I that they have got no interest in in fighting wars for other people. Maybe yeah. maybe, but the net effect for those people on the ground there mm. may be negative. Another example is Obama. Mm. Obama pulled troops out of Iraq. Mm. All the troops out of Iraq, mm. and within a few years. ISIS emerged in Iraq. Mm. ISIS nearly overthrew the Iraqi government. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and would that have happened if the American troops were still there? Probably not, right? Ah, uh, but what has Trump done to actually reduce ISIS's influence? I think I think he he more or less continued Obama's policy of he. I I've read that he, uh, up until Trump, the war in uh, Syria and Iraq against ISIS was kind of micromanaged from the White House. Mm-hmm. And he sort of gave room to the generals. Uh, Trump gave room to the generals to carry out the policy, to carry out the strategy with more independence. Yeah. 
but mm. still Obama was had pushed back the uh, ISIS caliphate quite a fair bit. Yeah. And uh, Trump it significantly yeah. reduced its territory. Yeah. And now Trump and under Trump they disappeared altogether in terms of their territory that they control they control no territory anymore. Yeah. So yeah, that's a success lah no doubt. Mm. Yeah, and you also kill the leader of the caliphate. Yes. Uh Baghdadi. Mm. Baghdadi. <laughs> I knew it. I I had refrained from saying it because I knew this was going to come out, you know. <laughs> yeah. Baghdadi. Yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, okay, so that's a that's a good point for Trump. Yeah. Right? I think it's a good point, but then you have to qualify with the fact that Obama was in, in regards to ISIS at, anyway. He saw it through. He saw it through. He saw it through, yeah. yeah. Uh but I, I would like to point out compared to Obama, Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize prize within a year of becoming president mm. before he had done anything right mm. and obama's the one who who bombed libya bomb libya <laughs> look at libya now yeah the effect of that is libya has not had a, a functioning government for nearly 10 years civil war non-stop for 10 years right mm. you can say what you want about god he bombed them because gaddafi was yeah. whatever brutalizing his own people right but That's what you know you bomb and you you bomb first ask questions later. Yeah. yeah. They they didn't have a plan for what happened after they removed Gaddafi from power, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't put any infrastructure in place to make sure there's a transition of power or anything. Yeah. And uh he wasn't even authorized by the UN to bomb uh to cause regime change mm. in Libya. But mm. that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh and it, the effects of that like resounding until now he not only destabilized libya yeah. Yeah. he turned libya into a conduit for for uh migration for illegal immigration mm. like these hundreds and thousands of people crossing the mediterranean on boats because there's no government in libya exactly. to stop them how many hundreds and thousands of these people drowned in the mediterranean you no know, just mm-hmm. because he took down that government without authorization yeah. right yeah exactly yeah so i think it's a big plus for trump that he didn't do anything like that yeah yeah and maybe you want to speak about uh, the arab israeli deals so this again like depends on your perspective on the whole israeli palestinian yeah, yeah. conflict right <laughs> but the the tldr already said in the past few months uh three arab countries have signed peace deals with israel they are the first peace deals being signed with israel uh, by the arab state since 1994 mm. and uh it seems like the whole attitude of the region has shifted uh, from confrontation with israel towards uh cooperation with Israel against Iran. Mm. And you know uh in uh, I think in Dubai or mm. in Abu Dhabi sorry I'm not sure but in the Emirates like the Israeli national anthem was played to celebrate the signing of the peace deal. Mm. And if everybody knows the history of the Arab Israeli conflict right mm. and the fact that you can have a moment like that mm. is it's extreme it's it's a big surprise to the whole world. It's mm. a, it probably is a big success lah. Mm. If you're just thinking in terms of reducing conflict in the Middle East, yeah. it's a big success. Mm. But, but uh, on the other hand, on the other hand, what Iran deal? No, no. I mean, on the other hand, like, uh, what is it done for the Palestinians? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's quite. Uh, it depends on like what you said is perspective, like I guess. Yeah. Also. Yeah. So so the flip side is that like uh, the Palestinians not only being ignored by the United States, but Uh, neglected by the rest of the Arab countries as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh nothing has been done for them in the under Trump administration. The Arabs uh, also are not pushing for any kind of movement on the yeah. on their situation. Yeah. Yeah, so the same argument can be applied when Trump pulled out of the Iran deal. Yeah. 
the Iran nuclear deal, uh-huh. right? So what is so what the Trump Iran nuclear deal was something that Obama signed. Obama signed, and Trump pulled them out, pulled the United States government out of it, yeah. um, which was essentially supposed. It was supposed to just basically keep stop them from developing or obtaining a nuclear weapon, um, without that interference of the American government. There's no obvious visibility um, on Iran from obtaining one and developing their own um, nuclear weapons, and which can cause disruption in the Middle East. I mean, Saudi, uh, all of all of America's top allies, especially in the Middle East, yeah. they are worried that when Trump pulled out of the Middle East and basically out of Iran deal, because that was supposed to be the broker. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, I mean, again, like how this, it, de- it depends also how you look at it, right? I don't personally think that this was the best move. To pull out from the Iran yeah. deal. Yeah. What I, do you think? I think uh, like only history can tell Mm. Like, so Obama's, can tell. yeah so Obama's policy was uh without any other strings attached uh get Iran to stop the get Iran to stop the nuclear program yeah. and then you allow Iran's economy to have access to global markets again right but without dealing with the other parts of Iran's policy that were a problem in the Middle East like Iran does fund um, militias and terrorists in the Middle East, like Hezbollah, Hamas, yeah. uh, they are funding the Houthi rebels in Yemen. Yeah. Uh, they are supporting Bashar al-Assad in Syria, yeah. uh, who has conducted chemical attacks against his own citizens. But uh, Obama's Iran deal did not deal with that, and basically did not uh, confront Iran's funding of this this uh, instability around the region, lah. Mm. So then Trump comes in and he says, pull out the deal altogether. And that basically crashed Iran's economy, high inflation, high unemployment. Yeah. Uh, and But at the same time, now they have no incentive to stop developing their nuclear program. Yeah. And uh, like I think only time can tell whether uh, this will prevent the US and the Middle East being dragged into a war with Iran or it will preempt because Iran simply doesn't have the money to fund a nuclear program. Yeah. I mean, like, and it's, it's also not... Uh, easy to say whether by by doing so, even though you have basically reduces reduced ISIS influence by reducing its amount the amount of territory controlled by ISIS in yeah. terms of its caliphate, there's no telling that there could be new um, terrorist groups that could emerge out of this, right? Yeah, because like you said, power vacuum. It's, 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 yeah, on, it's on the verge of, I mean, a lot of uh, security issues are brought up here now, yeah. and especially you have the oil crisis right now. I don't know how that's going to be playing into it. Yeah, I think history really will have to be the judge. If you if you go back in time a bit, right, uh, to the se- to when Russia, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, mm. and America funded the rebel the rebels in Afghanistan against yeah. the Soviets, and it was seen as a policy success because basically the Soviet Union bankrupted itself fighting that war mm-hmm. and collapsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons it collapsed, mm-hmm. and they overthrew the communist government in uh, Afghanistan. Yeah. And at the time, it's viewed as a success. Yeah. But fast forward 10 years, it became a hub for terrorists because yes. <laughs> they, because they never regained a stable government in Afghanistan. Yeah. The arms which America had given uh, were eventually used against them. Yeah. Right? So, like, you cannot... I don't think it's easy to pass a judgment right now. So, Trump now, he has defeated ISIS and he has pulled the troops out of the Middle East. Mm. But it remains to be seen 
whether the same cycle will reproduce itself yes, in future. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's why I don't think I'll put it down as a win, lah. Yeah. In that, in that aspect. He didn't pull out all the this one. The vast right? majority. Vast, Ma- majority. vast majority. Yeah. Okay, okay. Even in Syria. Yeah. The war, the civil war in Syria is still going on, yeah. and there's still ISIS fighters in Syria. But yes. America has pulled out the history, uh, their really? troops. Yeah. yeah. No combat troops in He's Syria. He just said, "I don't. There's no need to find fight endless wars." Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so put a pin in that, lah. I would say. Put a pin in that. Next. Next. Uh, immigration. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> immigration. Yeah. All right. So dealing. So let's talk like. Let's talk about this like kind of briefly, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so Trump ran on an anti uh illegal immigration platform in 2016. Yeah. He did not really run on Im- his immigration policy this time around, but uh. The result of that is crackdown on illegal immigration. So you have uh refugee admissions have fallen. Mm. Uh, you have separation of children from their parents mm. at the border. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, how would you judge that? How how would you judge his immigration policy? Because he basically said that you have these millions of illegal immigrants uh crossing without restriction across the border every year, uh, and they are taking our jobs. Uh, they're bringing crime. Uh, they're changing the makeup of the country, and we need to stop that disease. All sorts, is it? Some really vulgar language, lah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're bringing their rapists, murderers. Ah. They're not bringing their best, and some of them are good people. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, yeah. What what's your thoughts on that? The rhetoric was terrible. <laughs> the um, very very fascist driven rhetoric lah for sure fascist like i would say okay. yeah. yeah um but in terms i'm trying to analyze it right in terms of what it might have helped achieve but that's something i'm sort of i'm sort of struggling with it lah like i'm trying to see whether it whether it translated or spilled it over into any economic benefit i think i think it's very difficult to say that Uh, that ought to see it, lah. You know, um, I personally don't. I wasn't for this strong anti-illegal immigration. Maybe the process could have been done better for sure, to at least reduce the reduce the way in terms of at least the way they were being treated. There's the whole five hundred children being separated from the parents. Um, not to say that yeah. this wasn't happening under Obama. Right. Um. But actually, well, to Trump's um credit, is that he did stop it. He did stop the separation of the families. He did. He did. Oh, okay. I he halted. He halted it from progressing any further. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Correct me. I yeah. I believe in twenty eighteen. I think he did that. I mean, I I would separate the. Like the rhetoric was awful, lah. Yeah. The rhetoric was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not sure what it really achieved, though. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't know. Yeah, Teva, you were saying. Well, uh, um, before we started this, Bamba, you said that a president's influence on um the general on on the society that he uh, leads, right? Yeah. Is based on um either policy policy and moral, right? Yeah. So the based like on the rhetoric that he's running on, right? Man, but he has deported know. less people than yeah. Obama. Yeah, so this is the this is a, a strange thing, right? Like he's he was so hard on immigration, but five thousand families, you know, separated. Yeah. 
Yeah, 500, 500 children. Yeah. And his his uh, best argument to that was, oh, we keep them in very well, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, good facilities, lah. I guess, but like, he has no plans. He has no plans yeah. on reuniting them, or at least. And There's no, no clear plan, plan yeah. Because they can't find these families. Ah. And then uh, the other thing he said was these people were brought in not by their own family members but from the maf the what the mafia is it? Well, that just uh, that just happened. The coyotes. But yeah, he was he was he made a false statement there. I think. Mm. Uh, so I, I don't yeah. know whether uh, it's a plus or a minus economic on on the economic um, side of it. I don't know lah. But like morally, morally, Jesus. morally just bad. You know the Western, the one thing about Western um civilization as a whole, right? Mm. Is this thing about being welcoming to the stranger. Like yeah. it goes all the way back into like the scripture and the Old Testament. Yeah, it's one of the commandments that they have to treat strangers with with care, as if they were a member of their own family. Yeah, and America, they have the Statue of Liberty, which is the first thing that immigrants used to see coming in from. Uh, you exactly. Know, they give me your poor, your hungry, your worried. Promise right? you a better life. Yeah. 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 And to turn that on its head, right? It's uh, I'm pretty. I think it's sad, lah. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely sad. Mm. But at the same time, I don't think his policy is that much worse than Obama's. No, I don't think so. Because under Obama, right? In the first three years, Obama deported one point two million people. In the first three years under Trump, eight hundred thousand. There's this picture of the children being kept in cages, ah, uh, mm. which yeah. went around uh, during Trump's uh, second or third year. Which caused huge outrage everywhere, like media, social media, everywhere. But the picture was taken during the Obama administration. Obama built those cages, and yeah. Trump brought it up in the debate. Mm. Like uh, it was true. Yeah. It was true. He did do that, and uh, tr- you know, Democrats and Republicans, they have both been tough on immigration. Yeah. It's just that no, Trump Obama's has changed a some Nobel of the Peace Prize winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nobel Peace Prize winner. They're like in some ways he has been worse. In some ways, he's actually had less effect. Mm. Uh, yeah. on illegal immigration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever his intentions were, lah, the result of it, right, yeah. is kind of equivocal, lah. Like you can say that it's bad. Yeah. But yeah. it was also bad under Obama then. Yeah. yeah. But okay, so then on this point, purely, purely, right? Mm. Whatever Trump has done in terms of immigration, does it warrant a re-election? Would anyone consider this as a point that he should be re-elected? I don't know that I. It's very difficult know. to say, at least from our point of view, like right. I don't know, but you see, the general narrative is against him. You know, you did. I mean, the the I mean, his overall rhetoric is already a mess, and it's horrible <laughs> at times, yeah. right? So yeah. you're just adding more fuel to the uh, fire with this, more, probably. Yeah. So and I don't think whole, this this favor in his. Yeah. To him, like it doesn't favor Trump, lah. Especially the separation that you know, like Bamba made separation between it was a it was a thing that the Obama administration did. It wasn't a thing that the Trump administration did, but they will all jumble it all up and say, "Oh, this is all under the yeah, under yeah, the, yeah. Uh, it's a, it was it was a government yeah. thing." What? Right. So, so I want to clarify. Like I think that uh, there are some specific ways where uh, Trump did make the policy harsher. Yeah, and it affected certain people more. Like for example, on the separation of children from their parents, I think it was also happening under Obama. But I think that more more incidents of this happened under Trump. Yeah, uh, something along those lines. Right, so and he also made it harder for people to come through the border, right? He made it harder to apply for asylum status yeah. or refugee yes. status. Yeah, so in this some ways he has made it worse, but 
like the baseline is not that great as it was like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like everybody who has tried to travel to the states knows like how difficult it is yeah. to get in like mm-hmm. yeah the whole government the whole of government has a very uh, sort of anti immigration yeah. uh, very uh, policy yeah like you need to be you like need to fall under very strict definitions to be awarded this sort of benefits yeah. you know yeah, and the yeah. statuses yeah and uh, he did not deal with the uh, why people migrate to the united states because okay one part of it is like economic uh, opportunities right jobs and yeah. so on but the other part of it is that they have this huge welfare state uh, that itself is drawing people to immigrate to the united states this is the same problem that they had in the eu and was one of the reasons that uh, britain wanted to leave right mm, because yeah. they said we have this great welfare state but anybody can come in from any part of europe so the people from poorer countries can move to the richer countries uh this is the argument lah uh in order to gain these benefits i don't know whether like that's what really happened in practice or not but it is definitely a draw it's yeah. definitely a draw yeah 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 and uh yeah he didn't like talk about dealing with that right yeah. the the dealing with this welfare system which uh, had become like has become bloated in these western countries to an enormous extent yeah. Yeah, and that itself is drawing in illegal immigration. He didn't. He didn't talk about that at all. He didn't do anything about it. Mm. Yeah, and now actually, one thing drawing back to our conversation last week on our episode on identity politics, yeah. it identity politics is a the biggest play here, lah. So I mean, if you even were to think about it in Malaysia, if we were experiencing an influx of illegal immigrants, yeah. not only we would think about our security, yeah. job security, security yeah. itself, but also our identity as our national identity right, right. because that i mean we we already tend to have this already solid fixed idea on what who are malaysians and what does it take to be malaysian it's not really based on values i would say i don't think so mm-hmm. not strongly anyway mm-hmm. what if it was happening here how would we react i mean we have seen how malaysians have reacted exactly right, right? Yeah. so that's why it's it's coming from our point of view to touch on immigration as a point for Trump to be re-elected yeah. to or to win it it kind of does seem uh, doesn't seem fair lah yeah yeah be- yeah exactly like pe- people condemn the american uh, immigration policy yeah, yeah. they're looking at the policy back home like we turn back that boat that overloaded the overloaded refugee yeah, exactly. boat yeah. in the indian ocean yes and those people drowned and starved to death mm-hmm. uh, by the dozens or the hundreds who knows how many people have died because often times right you never even hear of it yeah, yeah. right and and uh, where's the outcry about that i think we have talked about this on the show before right yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah. where's the outcry among malaysians exactly. that our government is treating uh, refugees real refugees like that these yes. people actually expelled from their homes in 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 burma exactly and yeah. they i think and when they a lot of them died right on the way yeah, back yeah yeah a lot of them died on the yeah. way back and then how we treat them when they're here mm. they're not allowed to have jobs they're not allowed to have access to education yeah. they live in in shambles really exactly yeah I mean the pandemic also has exposed certain parts of it no yeah we exactly like, you know remember when the the healthcare dg right yeah uh, ah. when the when the covid was spreading like wildfire in the immigration detention center because we decided to have a crackdown in the middle of a pandemic yeah mm-hmm. and he said like malaysians don't need to worry because it's only in the detention center <laughs> 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 of course yeah of course but yeah you see we're no better in know, this you yeah, know yeah. we should be better yeah. but we're no better so guys yeah like we have to get off our high horse lah mm-hmm. yeah. yes yes yeah. yes okay let's uh, move on yes next maybe get back on the high horse oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> the first step act for trump 
this uh, criminal justice reform. The criminal justice mm. reform. I think this is a big plus for Trump. Mm. Uh, essentially, the bill um, is supposed to... Well, essentially, what the bill does is that it reduces minimal um, mandatory sentences for drug felonies and expanding early release programs. Right? And this as this is a, a really good step i think they, i don't know whether tr- uh, obama did try to do this in his term but this is something that was done during the trump administration and i probably don't i'm not surprised to see that trump right now at this point in time is seeing a higher a vote a higher amount of support amongst the latinos hispanics and the blacks right and spe- and this has been a huge problem and i think even most of the world knows that uh, I think half of the prisons in the world come from America and even for the most stupidest offences that you can possibly think of. So, I mean, it's n- it is one piece of the puzzle to solving it and it's been done under Trump. Right? Yeah. yeah. Thoughts? I, I agree. Like, uh, you know, when, when Kanye and Kim Kardashian went to the White House mm. to convince him to, like, pardon this uh, person who had been un- unjustly uh, yeah. incarcerated, mm. like, he and uh, he can't hear twenty twenty four, and uh, so Trump actually used this against Biden, right? Mm. So because Joe Biden during the nineties, he and eighties and nineties, yeah, he was exactly. heavily anti crime. He wanted higher sentences, mm-hmm. more policing, all these things, and he passed a crime bill mm. uh, when he was a senator, which uh, increased this mandatory minimum sentencing. Mm-hmm led to higher incarceration yeah to give incentives to states yes to sentence uh prisoners uh to mm. sentence criminals to longer sentences mm. and uh, so trump is like yeah first step act uh, is quite a big deal uh in, in terms of impact uh i think federal prisoners only 10 percent of prisoners in the states are held by the federal government so mm. it is just it does depend on the states uh, a lot yeah but yeah. But it's just one step. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, he, you know, he changed the policy of the Republican Party mm. to be to cater more towards uh, these uh, African-American concerns. Like, uh, he set up these things called Opportunity Zones, which mm. are supposed to create economic uh, exactly. development in uh, in uh, poor areas, yeah. inner in cities, which are inhabited mostly by African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, all that step in the right direction i'm sure yeah for sure exactly i see yeah on Mm. the other hand like has trump been a racist president overall though if you take this Mm. this is one part of it but you know if you look at the police brutality yeah his reaction yeah i mean charlottesville and charlottesville george floyd i mean yeah yeah. so what i mean what do you think about that like overall his record on race hmm not not pretty so not what are the what are the what are the cons here what has he done wrong do you think mm. I think general demure is the thing that's on the only thing that's wrong no the rhetoric yeah the rhetoric yeah it's just yeah. him i mean his 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 character in itself lies the thing but i mean if you see look at it if you look at policy wise what mm. it's not like he's not doing anything it's not like he's not helping mm-hmm. but like when it was happening yeah oh i his rhetoric didn't actually help at all either. Yeah. 
when when this uh, outrage about the police shootings, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 These mass shootings, for uh, I mean, that's another thing. That's but, another thing, lah. Like, I mean, right, um, let's not get into but that. But police shootings and police yeah. brutality yeah. is something that hasn't reduced under Trump yeah. or been curbed by it. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's not forget, right? This is the guy who basically led the campaign to that let let the campaign that said that uh, Obama wasn't born in the United States. Mm. He was the oh, guy yeah. at the center of the Butter conspiracy, right? Yeah, right. and uh, I think that just says it all about his language. Yes, on so many things, but like especially on race, is really insensitive language. Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason that some that a lot of uh race racist groups or white supremacist groups, especially when he ran the first time, backed him. Yeah. because they thought that he's their man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the rhetoric is awful. I do not know how much that has translated into policy, yeah. because in terms of policy, in terms of actual effects, uh, he is right when he says that black unemployment is down. Uh, he hasn't really enacted any policies that I I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something here. Am I missing anything where he has enacted policies which are specifically disadvantaging uh, particular racial groups? I not to my knowledge. And his support from racial minority groups also has grew, no? Yeah, it's an interesting yeah, it, thing. Yeah, it has grew. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the in this last election, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, in this past election, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like he has lower support amongst white males. Yeah, and higher support amongst uh, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, uh, even uh, Native Americans. Mm. Which is insane, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean again, in it comes to this topic, it's not as if. We don't have to be like no one has to be voting or like support. They don't have to be a Trump supporter to maybe make a claim that mm-hmm. Trump should be president. In this race, Trump versus Biden, they can maybe make that conclusion. Doesn't yeah. mean that Trump is the best man for the job overall. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't think so for sure. Definitely, yeah. of course, right? Yeah, yeah. And that I think that's a point that you might need to make clear to whoever's yeah. listening out here, right? Yeah. 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 All right, so I don't think there's much more we can say on that yeah. because really he has not really done much on yeah. uh race other than this criminal justice uh yeah yes okay uh okay now COVID lah COVID mm, the downfall of Trump yeah so if so if Trump loses this election uh, if at this point on COVID, Saturday um uh, four o'clock uh yeah he's like probably it. likely going to lose yeah. And by such a narrow margin, they, do you think if he did a better job with COVID, he probably would have won? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's true because it is the margin is so narrow, and the thing that was on the top of everyone's mind was his handling was of COVID. the cam- pandemic, the right economic now. health of dealing with the pandemic. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So, like, uh, what do you think about that? Like, he personally, I think, has. Set a very poor example yes. from the beginning. Yes. He downplayed it. He didn't set a good example in terms of how he personally stayed safe. He, uh, he put down the this whole mask wearing. Like he constantly like uh raising doubts about whether masking. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. Even uh, even in a press conference, right? He asked like the journalist to take off, <laughs> take off ah, the yes, mask. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Uh, in his rallies, always making fun of Biden for wearing a mask all the time. Yeah, yeah. The massive mask covering his whole face. You know, he's. He The, yes. Yes. Like we we were talking, like Tim mentioned, you no, know, like policy and setting an example. 
Right. Yeah. So instead of setting an example or you know convincing Ultimately, people, yeah, messaging, job, yeah, terrible, what a, right? What a terrible job he has done. And yeah. also, I mean, giving his opinions on like treatment plans and things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I won't put it down to what's the fact that America hasn't had to deal with a pandemic before. He's the first president to do so. Yeah. Even when SARS and MERS, um, was happening in that time, uh, there was no real proper response plan from the president at the time, but. There his no personality, if, yeah. if it's down to his personality and his level of thinking, his mindset that yeah. allowed this to happen. Yeah. Yeah, if you yeah. just did, you just shut up and said, "Okay, fine, you can live your life, wear your mask." Yeah. But make sure you wear your, live your life, but wear your mask. Yeah. At least that would have been something completely different. Even the numbers that you see right now, two hundred thirty thousand deaths. Yeah. True. Would be at least lower. Not don't know by how much, but it should be. Yeah. Theoretically, it should be. Would you agree, Deva? Yeah. Yeah lah, I mean, the way he was pushing the entire thing also was just really bad lah. Um, but again, like, like, you see the proof is in the pudding lah. 6.7 6. million, right? Infected, yeah, yeah. 230,000 deaths. Yeah. Just, just, I'm, obviously, it's not entirely on him lah. It's not yeah. to, for, for, to, to be blamed just on him. But um, yeah, I, I got nothing much to say on this lah. Bamba. Like, yeah. from the start, and from, from March yeah. until now, It's been it's clear been, to the world yeah, that he, has he does this, and the fact that he doesn't care. Mm. No, it's it, I don't know. It, it the way he's going about things is as if he really doesn't I, care. He wants to pretend that the pandemic's not happening. Yeah, ah, he's, he, he's, he, rather, he's on his rhetoric and this perception that we are overblowing the whole world is overblowing this pandemic yeah. and this yeah. virus itself. Yeah. Mm. But he doesn't. He it's probably down to him not failing to understand the science of it yeah. or how infectious diseases work. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's the whole controversy between him and Fauci, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, do you think like maybe it's because okay he's been pushing this rhetoric since March, right? Yeah. And then maybe he's he realized himself yeah. that oh fuck I'm fucked. <laughs> oh, But fuck. when, when did that moment come? Uh, when I he actually got sick. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe then. But since he's been pushing this rhetoric for so long already, he he cannot accept the fact lah. Like yeah. you know what I'm I'm just, I just have to stick to my narrative. I'm just gonna keep doing this. You know, yeah. instead of you know uh, admitting to a mistake. I don't know. So I think like we see a team here, right? Where uh, policy and rhetoric can be separate, right? Mm. Yeah. And, and yeah, I wonder whether there's a bit of that here as well. So I'm just gonna play the devil's advocate here. Mm-mm. Obviously, like you cannot directly compare two country, any two countries, like uh, in America, the death rate is heavily skewed by the fact that it was spreading like wildfire in New York and New Jersey, mm. the highly urbanized, highly dense people are on top of each other kind Mm-mm. of places. Yeah. Yeah. But you also need to rem- uh, be aware that in the American system, right, the president doesn't have a lot of power to implement like a national lockdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He simply doesn't have the legal authority to do it because in America, most of the things go back to the, the states, state. individual states. Yeah. And so like the, the some states doing well, some states doing worse. It depends more on the administrations in those individual mm. states. Uh, more than it does on the on the federal government, right? And most of the states that had these insane numbers were largely democratic states. Yeah, so like one example, uh, uh, New York, right? Uh, New York, of obviously, is like very left leaning liberal state. Yeah. Uh, yes. The democratic governor, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, he ordered nursing homes to take back. Old folks yeah. who had been infected with COVID mm. back into the nursing homes and look after them in the nursing homes, and 
basically like wiped out the elderly population of New York. <laughs> you know, and like things like that probably have a much. I I feel like they have as much of an impact mm. as as Trump's messaging because mm. that's actual policy mistakes. Yeah, and you no, know, like probably you can't blame any one person because nobody knew how to deal with it. Like Teva mentioned, you no know, America ne- hasn't dealt with this kind of pandemic. Like a hundred years, yeah. Mm. Maybe Some the stop. Spanish flu was the nineteen eighteen. No, cannot, cannot, cannot compare. Any, yeah. At least in recent history. Yeah, at least ah, in recent yeah. history. So yeah, and uh, this, I, I, uh, if you look at um, cumulative debts. So, how many debts above the average debts that you have in a period? Mm. And uh, if you compare the United States and Europe, it's uh, roughly the same. They mm. about fifteen percent excess, mm. and if you look at Europe now, so uh, there's a lot of talk about how oh, Europe has managed it so well and it's gone back down. It's almost nothing now. No new cases in in so many European countries, but right now as we speak, it's raging in in the in yeah. the UK in France. Yeah, uh, I think in the UK on some days the rate in terms of per capita of new cases is probably much higher than the states. Yeah, so like. Probably you should. I would hesitate, like, to blame uh any one leader for for making bad policy on COVID because nobody knew, nobody until now, nobody knows what the right way to deal with it is. What's the right balance between, uh, between clamping down the virus and uh sustaining your economy, right? Yeah. Because the economy does directly affect people's lives. Like when there's a depression, you have higher rates of suicide, higher rates of substance abuse, uh even domestic abuse. In Malaysia we have high high rates of domestic abuse during uh, MCO. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody knows how to find that balance. La. So I th- I think that's the counter argument in favor of, yeah. of, of mitigating Trump's uh dysfunction la, when yeah. dealing with But he was I I mean he could have just done better with the rhetoric at the very yes. least. At the at very the least, least at the very least. Yeah. A better president. Right, I mean right. the fact that the whole White House has been infected. You know today his chief of staff has got yeah. just got COVID. Mm. Mm. <laughs> of course. Of and course. you know like did he really need to have those massive rallies? Ah. Like yeah. You see I mean Um, he was following the formula that worked for him previously, lah. Yeah, as if there is not that nothing changed. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. with a country like us, so like we've dealt. I mean, I'm not going to say something similar, but we've dealt with situations like this, and yeah. we are find, finding it so hard to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You scale that to a larger country who's never dealt with it before. Mm. Yeah. Ah, uh, you're pushing it, lah, mate. Like, yeah. Mm, no doubt, lah. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. So overall, now we've come to. I think we've discussed all the topics. Yeah, I. Overall, uh, do we have to make a conclusion? I don't think we have to because, like, we are Malaysians at the end of the day. Yes. We have to think. We are Malaysians at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, good segue into uh, my cause of concern, uh-huh. <laughs> which is like, why is everybody so worked up about the, uh, the American <laughs> election at all? Why, like, okay, I was telling my uh, friend yesterday. To me, it's a bit like watching a sports, uh, sporting game, you know, yeah. a sports match. Mm. Because like it's kind of exciting, right, to watch like the whole week. Like it's flipping one way and the mm. other. You know, he's hundred, uh, four hundred. Biden's four hundred votes away in Georgia. Like yeah. okay, yeah. fine. That's why I I I keep watching it lah. But in terms of how the effect that you'll have on my life, close to nil lah. Honestly, This, close on, to nil. Honestly, close to zero. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Everybody should just take a step back and ask themselves if Trump wins. What's it going to change in my life? If yeah. Biden wins, what is it going to change in my life? <laughs> yes, I agree one hundred percent, Dave. But the ir- irony is, we're doing an episode on this, lah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we're doing an episode, but we are this. Uh, I mean, we're doing one episode on it. We, I don't think we have done like a single episode on Trump in the whole time that we have done this podcast. We have not done a single episode focusing on American domestic yes, politics. Yeah. Even today, when we're doing this episode on Trump, we at least try to bring it back to how it affects, uh, yeah. how his policy can affect us back home in terms of the global economy, trade, foreign policy. Yeah, yeah, and compared to the situation here, yeah. right? Yeah, but. You know, if you think of, of Trump as like okay, big bad orange man, like yeah, he's mm. <laughs> yeah. like uh, personally a bad person. Maybe lah, maybe you can make that judgment. I would largely agree with that. Yeah. But what about other leaders in the world? Mm-hmm. What about Xi Jinping in China? Mm. <laughs> Nobody better has I, kept like, has put one million Uyghur Muslims in concentration yeah. camps. Ah, mm. uh, mass surveillance on massive scale. What about Aung San Suu Kyi in yeah. in in, in Myanmar? Yeah. Nobel Peace Laureate, yeah, Nobel Peace exactly. Prize Laureate, and turn a blind eye when the ho- more than half the Rohingya population expelled from the country, not just from the homes, from the country, had yeah. the villages burned down. Yeah. Like, shouldn't you be more anxious about that? <laughs> and they're closer to yeah. home, more to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ah, it's the, it's the same as our. We also did the episode on the on the BLM movement and all that. Yeah, yeah I mean the you parallels know, the here parallels for sure. Here, I mean, it's it's not gonna go away anytime soon. It's just a We've, bad day. Like, yeah, for a while, I mean, our media is going to make. I mean, our media also rides on the benefit that it's just very. I don't know what. I don't know whether whether it just it's a money making machine for them to follow the U.S. elections, but it's very much that because of globalization, America's cultural influence on the rest of the world yeah. is just so strong yeah. that there's we would just continuously will follow elections because yeah. we also have this strong belief that they are they are supposed to set an example for for the rest of the for to set a blueprint for the rest of the world yeah. and culturally speaking they do already do so we is we absorb and consume a lot of their media content and um their culture and I think this will just go on for the rest of our lives, for generations to come. I don't see the US's influence in terms of its elections downplaying or being watered down. Yeah. 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 Well, we we can at least try, lah. We can at least we try, can try. To, <laughs> try to try to like calm guys. Yeah, it's it really something makes to very little your, difference yeah. on a day to day basis to you. Yeah. Like we you could know, be having our own election. Yeah, soon, mm. very soon. Very soon. Yeah. Go take go care about the budget lah. Budget, bro, budget, dengar budget, bro. Which by the way, stay tuned. We're gonna have we're a, gonna do an uh, episode. episode on our Malaysian budget very soon. Right? Yes, yes. Mm. We're actually going to get a very special guest on the show to actually help us deep dive into what's being uh tabled in parliament. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, excited for that definitely. Yes, uh and uh, I think we've covered all uh, Yeah, bases, we've covered yeah, all the bases at least yeah. Ones that we we picked out um, that matters to us and also Americans yeah. overall. We won't make a judgment whether Trump does does not deserve to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. We leave that up to the Americans. Yes. <laughs> right. Not, Rightfully not to so. Our yeah. not to the Americans. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, it's been an hour and a half actually. Alright. <laughs> I've enjoyed this uh, conversation. Yeah. I think it's time to call it to a close. Yes. <laughs> On that note, thank you very much for listening and good night. Good night.